0: The <laughs> Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today, Nick and Anne are talking with Adam Burke, CEO of Driven by STEM, a vertically integrated farm to home home delivery as a service platform, redefining the future of the cannabis industry. Our hosts chat with Adam about the company's most recent evolution following its acquisition of driven deliveries and how it's positioning to quickly scale and dominate the growing delivery landscape. In addition, Adam provides tremendous insight into the interplay between e-commerce and cannabis, the rise of online delivery, as well as hot topics in the industry, including the reintroduced Safe Banking Act. Don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our conversation with Adam Burke of Driven by STEM.
1: Adam Burke, CEO of Driven by STEM. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Thanks to, for to having kick me. off uh, the conversation, you know, can you tell our listeners a, a little bit more about your background? It's a really fascinating one, and you know, you, you're somebody that's evolved from Grubhub to cannabis. So we'd love to hear that story.
2: Sure, uh, absolutely. And I think it's a it was a great segue from technology and food and beverage and even CPG into the cannabis industry. So. Originally, uh, like I alluded to, my background is food and beverage in real estate. Went to the Cornell Hotel School and then started the first online food ordering company, which became Grubhub. Originally, it was called Osmio. I took that company to 12 markets in the U.S., opened up a London office, got worldwide patents, and then sold that company to Hourmark, which took it public underneath the name Grubhub. After that liquidity event, I moved down to Florida, which is where I live now, Started a men's grooming company called Hide for Men. It was an artisanal men's grooming line for the mass market retailers. And I built distribution into CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, Bed Bath & Beyond, Harman's, Myers & Hone Shopping Network. I actually pitched it myself on TV. So I did the on-air training. (laughs) Oh, very Um, cool. It was was an unbelievable experience. So I did on-air training with a coach out in LA and in the Tampa office. And after building that business, sold it to a private equity group in New York and then looked for the next fragmented industry, which was cannabis and still will be for the foreseeable future here and was able to utilize all of my past skills and applied it to this industry. The thesis for us always was good inputs give you good outputs, which was no different than food and beverage and raw ingredients. And then also in the uh, men's grooming company that I built, we wanted to make sure that there was great formulation for our products.
3: I think it is so... It's- interesting that people find it interesting that the traditional approaches to every other consumer packaged goods work for cannabis. Um, you know, you want to make sure that, that you have the best technologies, the best, you know, back end system. You want to make sure you have really great brands and, and, you know, people are, are kind of surprised, you know, they're like, why are you going from, you know, a CPG company into, into the cannabis space? And you're like, it's really analogous. I mean, we did it from a, from a PR perspective. We noticed that there was a lack in prof- of professional communications. And so, why why not the cannabis industry, right? So, I, I, it's just I, I just an observation that that we've made. That's just like of of course, it just makes so much sense, right?
2: Yeah, I think you need to always have the right bodies in the right chairs right? So you need the right growers, you need the right cultivation team. Um, If you're selling flour, for instance, um, you need to make sure that you have the right grow methods and that there's a team to to manage that entire process. But after that, what do you do after the product is harvested and cured and dried and trimmed? What type of package do you put it in? How do you get that message to the consumer? Uh, How do you make sure that you have the right values that are around that? Um, And you want to make it appetizing for the consumer, right? So you need that great packaging. Are you going to use glass jars with outer boxes? And how do you get that messaging across? And obviously, that's a strategy that the CPG industry has used from the beginning of time. And then don't forget logistics, right? How do you get it to the consumer? Is it a B2C model? Is it through your brick and mortar shops? Is it through other brick and mortar shops? So obviously, once again, all CBG sort of strategy that gets implemented on the cannabis side. So there's a there's a ton of crossover.
1: Yeah, let, and let's talk about those logistics because you guys are, are driven by STEM now. Um, a couple of months ago, you guys were two companies, Driven Deliveries and STEM Holdings. So can you give us the background on uh, both of those companies, and then what you guys are doing now that you're all integrated.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it was a transformational uh, movement for our company, Stem Holdings. So, like I said, initially, Stem Holdings sought out the cannabis industry. We were looking to provide great products to our consumer, whether that was on the medical side of the house or the recreational side of the house. Once again, good inputs give you good outputs. So, great flour. We we grow in no-till living soil um, on the cultivation side of the house. We extract it, we process it, we make edibles uh, underneath our brand Canivore, uh, and we also have a dabables line as well. So, we were growing, we were extracting, we were making a finished uh, package good, and then we were doing our own logistics to our own retail shops. Um, and it's a very successful business. And we were doing that in Oregon. We were doing that in Nevada. Uh, we acquired a well-known medical dispensary in El Dorado in California. Uh, we are a minority partner in a license in Massachusetts. And we helped build out Rebel the, the retail there. But once COVID happened, we realized that consumer behavior had completely changed for the foreseeable future. People were not going to go to brick and mortar They were not, I mean, maybe once a week or twice a week, but you know, you always find great ideas in your backyard, so to speak. Right. And I saw, as I came home from work every single day, the packages kept lining up on my doorstep, my wife, my kids, they were ordering from Amazon and walmart.com and target.com and Uber Eats was delivering every single day in Grubhub. And I knew that my own family was never going back to retail and the cannabis consumer was probably gonna be the same. So um, I figured we needed to be in the last mile delivery business. And I remembered how difficult it was to build a e-commerce and delivery business from the ground up from my days at Osmia, which became Grubhub and knew this time around, I did not wanna build it from the ground up. I wanted to buy it. And I was on the board of Driven Deliveries. I was very familiar with the platform that they had built. And I realized that it would be a great acquisition target for us. It was something we always wanted to do, but COVID really just fast tracked that acquisition mindset. And we acquired Driven Deliveries December 28th and have now started the full integration combining the two companies, uh, which is now going to be called Driven by STEM. So we love. The driven name we love the stem name we didn't want to give up on either one so we kind of pushed <laughs> them together um although we're still training underneath the ticker for stem so we got rid of the, the driven ticker uh we're training in the us as stmh and up in canada under STEM. driven by stem is, is the company and really the tagline is you know farm to home uh really controlling all parts of the supply chain but really focusing on e-commerce and delivery As we continue to expand in California, we'll be launching Oregon in the next quarter and then expanding throughout the country.
3: Um, I want to talk about you. You said farm farm to to home, right? Um, and you also said um, that that you guys employ um, some no till farming up in Oregon. These to me are are words that are used in in the organic foods industry or plant based industry. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? What are the benefits of it? Is it environmental? Is it it just produces a better product? You know what this this is an interesting way to describe cannabis, and I just kind of want to dig a. A deeper
2: on that sure so my cultivation team had massive experience in growing in no-till living soil and we do that in in our indoor facilities and our light depth greenhouse facility we do not grow any cannabis outdoors so it's all in controlled environments um, i think we're one of the largest no till living soil growers in indoors really um in north america and it was always the strategy of the company. And that was the background of TJ's Gardens. That's where James Orpiza, who runs our cultivation team, that was the mindset. And he has developed this system for a very long period of time. And it is environmentally beneficial. It has a greater uh, product quality. And the cost basis is a lot lower. So it's more expensive on the front end as you make your blend of soil but over time you're just adding some additional amendments to the soil. So it's not like you have to rebuild every single time. On top of that, when we harvest and we replant, we are able to do it within moments um, or within hours of that harvest. So if you can imagine these fabricated beds that we have inside our indoor cultivation rooms, when we harvest and we chop down the stalk, we replant right inside the bed, and the soil basically eats the stalk that's left over. It becomes food for the soil. So it's an unbelievable economic and uh, ecological sustainable. sustainable system. That's mm-hmm. exactly, right. it's a great ecosystem. I love it, I love it. I wanna go
1: back uh, a little bit to to one of your previous answers where you were outlining the, the growth plans that you guys are uh, foreseeing for 2021 and the markets you're operating you mentioned California, Oregon, Massachusetts, all uh, adult use states. Is that uh, the primary focus is just on these recreational markets? Or are you guys, you know, examining opportunities around the
2: entire country? Yeah, so we're we're definitely examining opportunities throughout the entire country. There's a lot of uh, operators that are operating in limited license states that have called us saying to us, you know, can we help a JV with them? Can we launch e-commerce and delivery out of their facilities? Once again, we bought Driven because of the tech stack, because of the infrastructure, because there's 250 drivers doing over 1,100 orders a day. They had the infrastructure needed to expand this model throughout the country and we will continue to expand now it just so happens and you left out nevada by the way but once again another another recreational market it's true we do operate in uh recreational markets but you got to remember the history of the company was medical you know we came from the medical days in oregon And that's where the roots of the the cultivation side of the house lie. Um, But over time, as markets flip from medical to recreational, it's the same consumer. It's just they're no longer having to go out and get the, the doctor's recommendation and pay for that medical card. But it's still the same medical consumer, right? Most of our recreational patients are buying product for some medical ailment. Um, we now classify them as recreational users, but the truth of the matter is they're really medical users, right? They just don't want to, or no longer have to pay that $200, $500, $300 for that card any longer.
3: Right. Um, speaking of medical, I want to talk a little bit about Oklahoma, um, because I feel like when that market, um, when it became legal, when medical became legal, um, you, you that market grew so much you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting a dispensary. Um, and I just, (laughs) that's one of my favorite, one of my most favorite (laughs) things. Really? I say it all the time. So who did you borrow that? from? You're welcome. (laughs) Who did I borrow that from? I don't know. I've been saying it for a while. I don't know. It has to be one of my South Carolina relatives. It sounds like something they'd say anyway. (laughs) Um, So can you just give us a read on what's going on in that market now?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, they've opened up the market. It is medical, um, but it's almost like recreational moonlighting, like medical, Yeah, right? That's what Um, it
3: feels like. It it, it feels
2: like that there. We have our STEM dispensary in that market. We're really excited for when they allow e-commerce and delivery to open up there. Um, You also have people... um, There's
3: no e-commerce there at all.
2: We don't do any delivery in, in, in that market whatsoever. There's no uh, delivery rules that are in place yet for that market. So this, this curbside, obviously for COVID protocols, but uh, we haven't launched delivery there. That's something we're really excited about. Um, but you're right. There's over a thousand dispensaries. You have tons of growers, tons of processors, um, Everybody knows somebody else that's in the industry that's in that state. And you have a a major user base there, right? And they made it very easy for the medical patients to get their medical cards. Um, The barriers uh, were not set high as they were in other states. So that market moved very quickly overnight.
1: How frustrating is that, though, that that delivery is not something that can be put in place in every state right now, especially with what you were talking about with COVID before? It, you know, it, I 100 percent see the vision why you guys added Driven and about all that it brings. But what's what's gonna, what's happening with the regulatory landscape is are these things that are going to change quickly?
2: Yeah, I think regulations always catch up to consumer demand. Right. So um, over time,s these things change and they morph. You know, some states, uh, they have delivery rules where you need two drivers in the car at, at any point in time, right? It becomes it becomes cost prohibitive. And um, at some point in time, all these rules will change and, and we're starting to see them beginning to change as well. But everyone has to remember that a decade ago, people were buying cannabis at their home, right? They were calling up um In the illicit market, their their dealer that was delivering to their home. And it took the regulated market over five years to convince those consumers, leave your home, come to the dispensary, check in on camera, show your license, (laughs)
3: license. right?
2: (laughs) Oh, by the way, can you give us your cell phone number so we can send you some texts for coupons? And now we're capturing some of your data. Um, and there's
3: armed security at the door.
2: Exactly, and <laughs> um, and we, meaning the industry, had convinced the consumer, and for all good reasons, that this is the way to, to buy your cannabis, right? And, and now it's regulated and it's tested and it has all of the benefits, right? But we had it took a long time to convince that the, that consumer to come out of the shadows and come to this 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 new retail uh, sort of experiment to, to buy your product, right? So from my standpoint. I believe it's going to be very easy, and we've already seen the adoption rate to reconvince that consumer to say, you know what, go back to the way you were doing it before, stay at home, but now we're going to give you a platform that you can log on, and I'm using California as an example, you could log on to the buddy.org website or the ganjarunner.com website, and those are both of our platforms in that market. You'll be able to select a product of the 60 different vendors that we have on the platform, over 700 SKUs that we're currently stocking in our three non-storefront retail locations. Those products will be loaded onto uh, trucks and cars with over 250 vehicles that are on the road on a daily basis. And it's easy, it's convenient. Oh, and by the way, all that product is tested and tracked and you know exactly what you're getting. Now, I think it's going to be very easy to convince that consumer that that is the process they should be following. We're seeing that. That's why we're doing over 1,100 orders a day and the demand continues to increase every single day. And I truly believe that later on this year with some new banking regulations that get passed and credit card processing gets approved, At that point in time, the consumer will never need to leave to buy any sort of cannabis-related products because they'll be able to utilize their credit card, right? And they won't have to go to the store or to the bank to use an ATM to take cash, right? Because once that consumer leaves their home to go to an ATM to get cash for the purchase, there's almost no reason for them to go back home, right? They're already out. And um, so I think the adoption rate will be 10, 50, 100-fold once we get some credit card processing in place
0: do
3: you, you know, you sound like you have high hopes for safe banking, which is great. Um, I guess in light of, of what we've seen from the Biden administration, especially last week when it came to light that he's, uh, you know, fired some staffers for admitting prior use of cannabis, which, I don't, can you fire your vice president? Because she also has <laughs> admitted prior use to cannabis. Um, you know, so, so I think he's, he's definitely not, a friend of the industry i think he's getting pulled and you know d- and dragged along you know but do you do you actually think that safe banking will happen
2: i think components of it will happen yeah i think there's some really good movement on it we're really excited about that um, in addition to safe banking a lot of people forget about the insurance acts that people are working on behind the scenes as well that is super important our premiums are five to ten times that for any sort of uh, business that's not in this industry. We need fire protection. We need general liability, right. And and, right? and and we need and we and we have all these things. Remember, we're publicly traded. We have DO insurance. We have all the insurance that's needed, but we pay ten times the going rate. And there's only a few carriers that will underwrite us. It's not an open market. And we're excited for some of the insurance regulations to be changed as well. So it's not just the banking side, it's also the insurance side. Now, on the banking side, in addition to all the corporate benefits that are related to the SAFE Act, people forget it's also the employees. There are so many employees that can have legal bank accounts because they work for a cannabis company. They can't have brokerage accounts of any of the big brokerage houses, the Morgan Stanley's of the world, the Bank of America, Merrill Lynch's of the world. Their accounts have been shut down because their income comes from a marijuana-related business. So how great will it be for our employees and employees of other cannabis companies to walk into a bank to deposit their paycheck, to have direct deposit, and not have to be worried, is their bank account going to be shut down tomorrow? How great will it be when they go to get a mortgage from their local bank and the bank says, okay, you make X dollars, you know, who do you work for? They don't have to be nervous to say, well, I work for a marijuana related company. Um, They can now say, I work for STEM holdings uh, and they can get a mortgage based upon what their credit rating is.
1: I think that's a great point. That's really like the unseen, unheard consequences of what the current regulations are in place. It's like the the lack of, uh, frankly, federal leadership on this issue is leaving a lot of people high and dry, it seems
2: like. And there's a lot of opportunities for the banks to create a really special ecosystem that people haven't thought about, they're not talking about. I mean, how great will it be for a a large nationwide bank to come in to bank a publicly traded company from the corporate side, to write leases and mortgages for the properties that they own, to then do all of the payroll processing for them, then to open up accounts for all of their employees for the direct deposit, then to allow the employees to have credit cards and debit cards, then to underwrite the mortgages for those employees for their homes and car loans, I mean, there's just so much opportunity I mean, for the Retirement
3: banks. funds? <laughs> I mean, 401ks. come I yeah. mean,
2: How about health insurance? We offer health insurance for all of our employees. I mean, there's so much opportunity for the banks that I don't think that people are really understanding that there's a lot of money that, that they can make here, but also there's a lot of opportunity for the employees and for the companies to operate like a normal business.
3: I feel like that's uh, to Nick's point, you know, we talk about safe banking and like the, you know, oh, you know, businesses need to have bank accounts, but you do forget the knock on effect of, you know, the, the, just think about like not having a bank account. Like I cannot fathom that. I know there's some people that are like against it, but I mean, I feel like it affords you so much freedom in this country that, you know, to not have it, you're just operating at a deficit. So, um, I think those are really, really interesting points to bring up, um you know, with regard to to the benefit of safe banking. Um, so I want to, um, talk about you guys are, are, you had mentioned this house of brand strategy. Um, can you talk a little bit about, be, because again, there's no interstate commerce and, you know, can you talk about how you're building your brands in the markets you're in? Um, and, and just, maybe just talk, give us some highlights on, on some of your favorites. Maybe I won't say favorites cause I'm sure they're all your favorite.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously there's always an, an emotional impact as you build a brand, right? So we, we really love the brands that we have. I mean, look, there's a ton of other brands that we love and I'll, and I'll walk you through, um, that as well. So currently we have three flower brands. We have TJ's gardens, Yerba Buena and Travis and James, uh, TJ's Gardens and Yerba Buena are both bulk flower brands. So, for instance, in Oregon, we grow our brand TJ's Gardens in no till living soil with a certain set of genetics and Yerba Buena as well. Uh, We process that flower, we hand trim that flower, and it gets packaged in large glass jars that then get delivered wholesale to dispensaries. About 10% of our own product gets delivered. Uh, and sold to our own dispensaries, and the other 90% is wholesaled out to our competitive dispensaries in the market. We built an unbelievable following in the Pacific Northwest, and we sit on about 100 other shelves inside that market. Um, So we have a a large sales team that sells out to that market. This way, our consumers can purchase our product, whether they're close to one of the TJ's dispensaries or, or to our competitor dispensaries. Um, additionally, same, same process with the Herba Buena. The Travis and James brand, once again, is grown in no-till living soil, but it's a pre-packed model. And that's why we called it a little bit different, right? So Travis and James, once again, the T and the J, that's what TJ stands for, Travis and James, those are the founders. Um, and that's operating that brand in our Nevada facility right now. So once again, it's grown in no-till living soil. It's dried and cured and hand-trimmed and then packaged in glass jars, with outer boxes and then delivered to about, I think it's about 30 dispensaries in the state of Nevada right now. Those are our three flower brands. That's what we're gonna continue with for the foreseeable future. And as we expand to other markets, we'll either acquire cultivation licenses uh, that are already operational, and bring our brands there and grow from the ground up. Or we'll do a joint venture with other, other groups and bring some of our IP knowledge and know-how. The no to living soil, clearly a secret sauce. Uh, it is something that could be patentable, but obviously, you know, we keep it very close to the vest, very similar to Coca-Cola has their recipe. Um, it's, it's something that's very special that James has developed uh, over a very large period of time. On the edible side, Canivore is our edibles brand. That's our caramel chews. And we have three different flavors as it relates to that. Chocolate chip cookies, double chocolate brownie bites. And we're about to launch a new form factor, which is our uh, Canivore jellies in three different flavors. Raspberry lemonade, um, lemonade and blackberry lemonade. They have a zero sugar non-GMO, gluten-free and vegan, so obviously this is going to be a product that diabetics can can eat. Right, There are diabetic cannabis users that are out there and there hasn't been a sweet edible that has been made for that target market, so that's going to be a great uh, market that we're going to aggressively go after here in Oregon probably uh, towards the end of next month. Uh, packaging is already in. Uh, we're waiting for products to come back from testing, and then we'll be launching probably about around the 420 uh, timeline. Um, and then once that that uh, launches and is successful, then we'll bring that intellectual property to other states. So then we'll probably be launching in California, right behind on that same recipe structure, and then Nevada right after that. Same packaging, same form factor, same sort of strategy, same IP knowledge and, and know-how. Um, and then on the e-commerce and delivery side, we have Buddy and Ganja Runner, right? so that's the tech platforms and that will be able to expand where we're at and then Launching in new markets as we build licenses from the ground up or joint venture or partner with other groups. And then Dosology, which is our topical line, which will launch towards the end of this year. And we're really excited about that brand as well. But clearly, house of brand strategy, um, there's a different value proposition for every brand that we have. And, um, and we're brand collectors, and there's a lot of brands out there that we're trying to acquire, that we're looking at, that we really like, that we've been tracking for a long period of time. And we'll see if we get some some exciting deals done here in the back half of 2021.
1: Yeah, as you were listing off everything, I, all I was thinking in my head is like, man, when are you guys going to be in Arizona? I want to be going <laughs> to get some of this. It all sounds great. And I really love the innovation of the, the, the product geared towards diabetics. I, I hadn't even crossed my mind, but yeah, you go into to look at what edible products that are. It's a lot of, you know, sugar-based products. And I, this is really, really cool.
2: We're really excited about this. And um, and if this is effective, like we believe it's going to be, then we can utilize this subst- uh, sugar substitute in a lot of other products.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get back to looking at a, a bigger picture. You, you've described a lot of things that you guys are going to be doing already and then doing throughout 2021. But when you look at what the rest of this year is going to look like, what has you most excited about what's going to be growing for Driven by STEM?
2: Yeah, I mean, truly e-commerce and delivery. To me, that is the future of what we're doing. The house of brands will come behind e-commerce and delivery because you need that e-commerce and delivery to become your pipe to that consumer. Everyone is trying to get B to C, right? That's why we stock. 719 products on our e-commerce and delivery platform in California because everybody is trying to get to that consumer. So, you know, from my standpoint, that's what we are most excited about. That's what we are aggressively going after. And that's the first platform that we will expand completely across the country. Right behind that will be our house of brands, right? Travis and James, Yerba Buena, TJ's Gardens, Canivore, Dosology. Those will come along for the ride. Um, Those have built a phenomenal base of consumers. They all stand for high quality, and that will continue to come through our pipeline to to our consumers. But at the end of the day, we want to offer our consumers a lot of choice, right? When you walk into a CVS or Rite Aid or Walgreens, any sort of supermarket, there's not just one brand, right? There's thousands of brands. Consumers wouldn't go to those retail outlets if they didn't have choice. So we want to continue to be able to offer choice to the consumer as much as possible. But at the same time, we want to be innovative, right? And by us owning the platform allows us to be innovative and test new products in real time. We don't have to wait for it to sit on shelf and rely on whether it's our own bartenders at our own retail or bartenders at other retail shops hoping that they will sell our product, right? we'll be able to push that product to the consumer through our e-commerce platform. And that's why that that platform was so important to to purchase. Uh, Also, the data, the analytics that we're seeing on a regular basis on what the demographics are, what the consumers are looking for, allows us to fill the need for that consumer. right? That's super important. If we see a specific demographic that's looking for a specific type of product, That allows us then to go out into the market and properly source the product for that consumer or we'll be able to make that product for that consumer.
3: Do you think, you know, as we kind of emerge from quarantine or pockets of the company, company of the country are emerging from quarantine. Do you think that there might be a little hiccup in in terms of people who are interested in delivery versus people who are like, I just want to go see my bud tender. I just want to go out. I'm able to go out now. Um, and you know, I can see, you know, obviously delivery is not going anywhere, but do you see like in the next couple of months as people emerge, like running to the dispensary versus, you know, the the online ordering that they may have done in the past? Or do you think like, they're like, oh, okay, this is really convenient for me. And it's just like a weird consumer behavior question. Yeah. You may I think not know it's, the
2: I, I think what we'll see is that person, we will stop by the dispensary maybe once a week to say hello. Right. But remember, the experience is going to be different. I think the experience in-person experiences have changed forever, right? I think that there will be shields and there will be masks and there will be this sort of social distancing, whether it's six feet, three feet or two feet um, for a a long period of time, right? It's funny because I saw uh, a report actually the other day that Rite Aid sales are down so drastically because cold and flu products have suffered their sales over the last year because people are wearing masks, Wow! right? So put COVID aside for a second, people just aren't getting sick in general because of all the proper protocols this country has put in place. So I think there's going to be some, some new public service announcements that come out as it relates to that. So even when people get back to, you know, life pre COVID, they're still going to be very careful because they've realized, look, I haven't been sick in a year and a year and a half. I haven't had the sniffles. I haven't had a cough. I haven't had a, the normal winter cold that I normally had. My allergies are doing better. So like all of these different things, I think we're go, we're going to see, right? So I think there's going to be a change in behavior. I also believe that when you look at our, our demographics, right? The, the demographics of 22 to 25 and the dem, right? Which is super tech savvy, right? That's where a big portion of our consumer base comes from. They want ease of convenience. That's the texting and Snapchat generation. They don't need to come out of their home and say hello to the bug tender. They're just not interested, right? They want, they know what they want, they know how they want it, they'll do some, some research online. Um, we're going to have a, a digital bud tender added to our platform probably over the next year or so. We're, we're developing that right oh, now. That's cool. And I think that those consumers are going to stay at home and order through e-commerce and delivery. The older generation, the 60 plus who has been forced to go online during COVID for everything, Amazon, Amazon.com signing up for their COVID shots. I mean, you name it. They've been forced to go online. Hulu, um, Netflix, right? Their world has changed. That consumer is now somewhat tech savvy, and they like the ease and convenience of ordering online. They've moved to you know online grocery orders and online um food orders delivered to their home. It's that middle section, right? That's 30 to 55, or whatever it is, uh, that's the grouping that might be more interested in coming out and saying hello to to their bud tender. But also, you got to remember, their life has completely changed. That working population now is being afforded the opportunity to work from home three days a week at minimum. That's what we're seeing um, across the country, that even when people are going back to work, large corporations and mid-sized corporations are not going to allow their employees to work from home three days a week. And if they're at home, there's no need for them to leave.
1: Adam, this has been a really tremendous conversation. I I love everything that you guys are doing with Driven by STEM. I think your your insights on the space are are spot on. Um, Before we let you go, we have one question that we'd love to ask to all of our guests. And it's if, you know, tomorrow morning, you're waking up and you're going to see the the A1 story on the Miami Herald or the New York Times that's focused on the cannabis industry story that you think is being undertold. What would you like to see? What, what story would you like to be see be in that
2: newspaper? Yeah, so I think there's a there's a there's a bunch of stories I'd like to read. Right. So um, one is that they allow more research on cannabis. To me, it's such in the infancy. Uh, research from my standpoint is so important because it allows us to then create new form factors, innovate products, and be able to help our consumers on how they should properly be utilizing our product, right? Whether that's through beverage or nano emulsions or tinctures or the right dosing or the right um association of CBN to CBG to CBD to THC, we still don't know a lot. And I want to know as much as possible because I want my team to get into the lab and make products that are effective and have efficacious properties for my consumer. So I think that would be one of the top things. The second thing, and, and this is more selfish from the STEM side, I'd love for them to be able to open up more licenses in Florida so STEM can operate in Florida. Obviously, our whole back office is here, but we'd love to go out and get a license in Florida to be able to fulfill the need of what we believe is underserved here in the Florida market. So we would definitely uh, love that as well. And, and clearly, you know, any sort of banking approval would be phenomenal. If I woke up and saw that safe banking was approved. And for all the reasons that we just alluded to about 15, 20 minutes ago, that would be amazing.
3: Love it. Adam Burke, CEO of Driven by STEM. Thank you so much. What's the ticker? Where can people find you?
2: In the US, it's STMH. And if you're up in Canada, it's on the CSE for STEM.
3: Awesome. Adam, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure.
2: Thank you.
1: A special thanks to Adam Burt, CEO of Driven by STEM. You can check out check them out more by going to www.drivenbystem.com. Um, and also check them out on the CSE under the ticker S-T-E-M. As always, thanks for listening. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter at the handle at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast or drop us an email at Green Rush at or drop us an email at Green Rush at KCSA.com. Um, And make sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter as well as to the Green Rush and your favorite podcatcher. That's one take share, one take.